Hello and welcome uh, to a brand new episode of Ruby Only Better. Uh, the group stages are gone. I'm joined by Tim Cocker of the Egg Chasers and by Gavin Casey of the 42.ie. Um, gentlemen, t- Tim, I'll, I'll come to you first, Tim, because it, it might get quite Irish at some point during this this pod. But hey, I'm wearing you green. You I'm are green. wearing green for those watching on YouTube. Uh, you, of course, have been at uh, in France for for most of the tournament, and some of your videos, which we were just speaking about before, have have gone quite viral and and really well. How have you, how have you found the tournament being there in, in the epicenter of it all? Really, I think we may have mentioned this in the in the pre World Cup episode we did, but this is the perfect country to have the world. I know it hurts that it wasn't in Ireland and you got stitched up a little bit on that one, but it is the perfect place to have the World Cup right now. This this country is rugby bonkers north to south, east to west, and wherever you go, there's billboards everywhere. It's You turn on the telly and Antoine Dupont's there. The fans have made this, and you know, not, not least, obviously, the Irish fans that have come over in unbelievable number, but the melting pot is amazing, and the fans have made it. And like you say, some, some of the content that I've made that's done better than anything else and captured the imagination has been with fans, and I think it, it has just brought to the fore what rugby is all about and what makes it great. Yeah, uh, some of those posters that you mentioned, obviously, I I, mean, I, I was over for uh, the South Africa game and that uh, I, I noticed one of the posters in Paris had uh, like four injured French players on it, um, which I thought was quite, quite harsh. It was the, the curse of the uh, of the billboard. Uh, Gav, you've you've not been over yet, I believe, but you, you've been like most people have been watching the, the amazing scenes that we're seeing. But in, in general, as a tournament, how do you feel it's gone so far? Yeah, I'm third in our depth chart at the 42 when it comes to rugby writing. So we've got two guys over there. I cover other sports as well. I just host our rugby podcast. People kind of confuse me for like a rugby nose. I'm not quite at the level of, of Murray Kinsler or Kieran Kennedy, but I think tournament-wise, it's been really enjoyable. It has had its ups and downs in a way, and that is typically the case with the pool stages. I think statistically, they've actually there have actually been more blowouts in this tournament so far than yep. there were even in the last one. And yet... You sort of contrast that with the Fiji journey, equally Portugal beating Fiji, which is a momentous result, which will kind of ring through the history of the tournament for years to come. And right, like you were giving France a game, a few games like those where it might have been a double digit uh, margin of victory in the end, but still was a competitive game. And I think it has amounted to a really good tournament. I, I also would say that some of those massive pool games and i'm thinking specifically of france new zealand in the curtain razor that everybody was looking forward to as we were when we had that pre-pool chat and that's so that ireland south africa pool game are among like the great world cup games that we've seen in in modern times at least probably in the last three or four world cups it almost feels like it felt as though those games were like the apex of the sport and it doesn't get much higher quality or more fraught with suspense than that and of course, we've got four games which may prove us otherwise now coming up this weekend. And that's the beauty of the World Cup. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, doesn't this weekend Sorry, have the potential to be the greatest weekend of World Cup rugby ever? Partly by virtue of the lopsided draw that's had loads of attention, obviously. But as a consequence, you've got four games on a knife edge, impossible to call. It's yeah, amazing. It's and I actually think on paper, you can make the strong case that Ireland, New Zealand and France, South Africa are like the two standout or marquee fixtures given their side of the draw, given world rankings and everything else. But England, Fiji has its own subplot now based on what happened in the warm-up game, based on the fact that Fiji are there at all and based on the fact that England have drastically improved and probably 
equipped themselves acquitted themselves better than we presumed they would when we were talking before the tournament. And then, of course, on paper, Wales Argentina, unless you're from Wales or Argentina, is kind of the least attractive game on paper. But in reality, I actually think that could be an absolutely cracking game. <laughs> so there is no real weak quarterfinal here. And in terms of entertainment value, as you say, Tim, like this could be a weekend for the history books. Like this could be a weekend where rugby fans for years to come are asking, where were you? Where did you watch it? And oh, it's a salivating prospect for sure. Well, let's let's just talk about some of the uh, the prices then. As I said, it is very close at the top. And, and I'm going to give Sportsbook and exchange prices, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why later. But on the Sportsbook, if you want to do that way, Ireland are 11-4, to 4, France are 11-4. to 4, So we've joined favourites there. South Africa are 7-2, to 2, uh, New Zealand are 7-2, to 13-1 to 1 about England, Wales are 20, Argentina 45, and Fiji are 50. Um, obviously, as you expect, it's a little bit different on the exchange in terms of where they are, because um, they're just, they're just, they're just gone from, and I'll tell you I'm going to say to everyone, we're recording on Wednesday. I literally had a meeting yesterday where we were chatting all about this Rugby World Cup because it's dominating chat in Ireland and, 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 and here in work and stuff like that. And it was 4.2, 4.2 France and Ireland. It's now 4.1 Ireland. So technically on the exchange, Ireland are now favourites for the World Cup. 4.1. It's 4.2 France. It's 5 New Zealand. It's 5 about South Africa. 14 England, 25 uh, Wales, 70 Argentina, 95 Fiji. So I guess, guys, the simple thing is that you've got very little between France, New Zealand, Ireland and South Africa in the betting. Like if you have a, a strong feeling right now in your head, if you're like, I think France are going to win the World Cup. I think Ireland are going to win the World Cup. I think the All Blacks, I think South Africa, those four teams, you can back them at like 11 to 4, 3 to 1 now with, you know, two games away from from a final. It's, it's so wide open. And I'm going to go to Tim for this first gap because here in Ireland, again, I want to say we have got carried away a, a little bit right now like they're they're literally talking you know about what are we can do when we win it some people <laughs> or what well where do we go for the final so let's, let's dial it back just a little bit but tim you've seen everything who do you like right now because you said france you both said france beforehand dupont is coming back but what have you seen of the those other teams that are around there your new zealand's your south africa your ireland's what on Ireland, to start with, you're right. The fans I, I spoke to after the game on Saturday night, and I don't think it was the hydration that they were having all day. That they are daring to dream right now, and I think rightly so. And I, one th- there was one moment which just said to me, "No, this is this is a totally different mentality, and this is a mentality that could go all the way." Was when in his post-match interview with a hundred caps under his belt, Peter Omani didn't smile once and was still fuming <laughs> at Scotland. Uh, and the words that had been said in the week. And that just spoke to me that this isn't a team that are, that are happy to be at a quarterfinal. They are, they are, they have one objective and one goal. And, and the mentality of that side just means that I think that all the talk of quarterfinal curses, all that sort of thing is completely irrelevant. And I can see them going all the way. South Africa are the other team. I, in a really tight, other game against France. I've, I've actually flipped. Yeah, you're right. I, I predicted France before beforehand. I just, I just feel like South Africa are getting stronger, and the additions they've made to their squad add a little bit of stardust that wasn't there beforehand. And I, I think it's set up for Ireland, South Africa, and all bets are off at that point. Well, no, all bets are on yeah. if you if you if you've got the if you've got the guts to do it right now. As you say, you can get them at a great price. Yeah, and it's it's about Gav. It's it's about who you think 
you know, will go far. As we mentioned before, and I was at the Ireland-South Africa game, unbelievable game to be at, just absolutely astonishing. Probably one of the best sporting things I've ever been at. And I've been at loads of Six Nations game and loads of Ireland football matches and Champions League games. I've been like very lucky with my job and stuff. Loads of horse race means Cheltenham and things. It was just sensational. It was wonderful. I did... When you look at it from the cold light of day, let's like Ireland, South Africa. South Africa left a lot out there in terms of if they had a kicker, the game might have been slightly different. But then Ireland would have played slightly different. So you can't. But I do know within the South African team because they mentioned it. Jim Hamilton kind of on the sideline. Evan Etzebet was caught kind of saying, "If we meet them again, we'll do them." Yeah, I think that there was a perception afterwards that South Africa left more out there than Ireland, and I understand that interpretation of events but if you think about it South Africa's try came from a kick that hit the post so straight away there's a swing in points there people were saying oh South Africa left 11 points on the tee no not really because they got seven <laughs> points from a missed kick <laughs> it's a great Equally, point yeah. uh, I, I would say that a South African team with Manny Libok is more likely to create opportunities in broken field in loose play then a South African team with Andre Pollard he stands a little bit deeper it is a different proposition so there's no guarantee that if they had Andre Pollard fit and starting against Ireland that the game would have played out to the same complexion uh, you know what I mean like it's we're talking about alternate universe exactly. kind of theory you are exactly right yeah 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 and I would also make the point that Ireland had a couple of chances that they let slip as well in that game so like I would have said after that game, a one-point margin of victory for either team would have been absolutely fair. But I didn't get the impression that South Africa are are necessarily a superior team than Ireland. I was chatting about this with colleagues on a podcast I recorded just before coming on here where Murray Kinsella, my colleague, actually made the point that he feels Ireland are as physical a team as South Africa now. And I'm, I literally said to him, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like... These South African players and their kind of dominance in the collision and actually even statistically their dominance in dominant tackles uh, would suggest to me that they're a more physical team. But Murray and, and our uh, podcast colleague Owen Toulon were making the point that if you look at, say, elements of the game like mall attack, mall defence, uh, there isn't really the same physical mystique now to South Africa as existed at the previous World Cup. And even the proficiency or the effectiveness of the bomb squad off the bench is it quite as intimidating a factor as it was four years ago not really it is no composition no i think their own fans at the game said their own fans very much afterwards in the bars and and stuff around paris were like saying that it's not really the it didn't feel like the bomb squad when they emptied the bench the fans all got up everyone and said we're like but then 10 minutes into it you were like it hasn't done a lot yet, has it? You've actually lost. They lost a scrum penalty soon after they came on, and they were like, "Oh, well, that doesn't normally." Well, happen. it was the, it was the first couple of scrums after they came on, and they they were doing a number on Ireland, wasn't yeah. it? And then and then Ireland brought their bench on, and the shit was righted again. And that I think it speaks to Gavin's point that 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 they can match them toe to toe. They can they've got impact off of their bench now. In the past, it was the case that you were worried about the the depth and would there be a drop off from starters to, to the bench. And that just isn't the case with Ireland now. And that, that's a huge credit to the de- development of the squad over the last couple of years. Gav, yeah, just... I just want to, because we never really got who you who you were going for. So, but are you going for Ireland? And are you worried about, there's a lot of statistics about Ireland say that, you know, they're, they're kind of keeping the same lads on. If you, Like mm. the, some of these lads have played the most amount of minutes so far in the World Cup. So battle hard and battle weary. We hear this about, you know, NFL, you know, when they play, they have their bye week on week three and they have to keep going, these boys. So um, w- which side would you stand on? 
I am sticking to my pre-tournament prediction that France are going to win the whole thing. And I completely agree with Tim that there is a sense of this South African team that they are improving. I have a sneaking suspicion that they just haven't sufficiently improved in enough time to beat France. I would say, had France not lost DuPont in the pool stages and were going into this quarter final where DuPont had been fit the entire way throughout, I would look at this as like literally a 50-50. But I actually think the little mental or, or psychological boost of having DuPont come back from injury and really within the context of the tournament come back from the dead, like the bionic man with you know half a face <laughs> and the idea that he is coming back into this team for this game, I think will imbue them with just that fraction of a percent that might get them over the line in what I would consider otherwise to be a 50-50 game. And can, can I just add to that? I would just add to that, Gavin, that the space that was left by DuPont has actually left a little vacuum, which Matthew Jalabert has filled. He's got bigger and better. So they may, there's an argument to say they're in better shape than they were because other people have had to take that weight that DuPont takes on his own shoulders. Yeah, it's a great point, Tim. Like the fact that Jalabert has blossomed and peacocked and almost become probably more of a visible leader in the team in DuPont's absence, and now you have them as a 9-10 combo. And what a story it's been for Jalabert, by the way. I think we might have touched upon this last time we spoke, but Entomac's loss was a blow to France, unquestionably. They run so much through him. It's probably overstated to a degree how much they run through DuPont. Like, Entomac is a really important part of probably a two-man fulcrum in their back line. But, like, for Jalabert, he could go the whole way with this France team, and the jersey is his after that. Like the incumbent is going to realistically hang on to that jersey, and it'll be up to Entomac to wrestle it back. And it's it reminds me a little bit of the dynamic between Ronan Keller and Dan Sheen for Ireland at hooker over the last eighteen months, where Keller was considered to be one of the best hookers in the world, and I actually believe he still is. He went down to injury. Dan Sheen was kind of green. We didn't know a great deal about him, and Sheen goes on to absolutely become one of the best hookers in the world, and he is now Ireland's starting hooker. Sometimes it just takes one injury, and a guy can become a, a world star and I think we're watching that in real time with Jalibert and I just think France in the cauldron like atmosphere of the Stade de France have enough to get over the line against South Africa similarly to how Ireland did again I think it's a one score game but the beauty of that if France are able to do it is that realistically they do win their semi-final there might there's a danger of it being a bit of a come down but it's it's going to be a weaker opponent in a semi-final I'm not saying you can rest players or anything of that order for that game, but I just feel as though they could be pretty fresh for a final. And if it was, say, against Ireland or against the All Blacks, I think, particularly with Ireland, as you mentioned, Kieran, because some of those players are playing so many minutes. We saw against Scotland the first signs of injury and maybe a bit of wear and tear creeping into Ireland's first choice, 23. And I still don't feel Ireland are equipped to lose more than two or three players as much as their depth has absolutely improved and their bench is brilliant what lies below that 24 25 26 still really good professional players but not quite of the same level as south africa's options in those areas or france so just about i'm still leaning towards france and really the pools haven't changed my thoughts on anything i think france can win it i think france will win it i think south africa can absolutely win it i do think ireland can win it and I think New Zealand can win if they can get past Ireland, which we'll talk to, talk about in a while. We will. 
Let, what a tournament is right. Yeah, so let's let's do the games, right? And then we can come back to everything and we do fantasy type semi-finals and fantasy finals. But um on, on Saturday at a uh, four o'clock, I nearly said two there for some reason. Wales take on Argentina in the first of those games. It's one to two about Wales. Argentina are 15 to eight. The spread is currently four. I will say once again, we're recording on uh, Wednesday, I think there, and um, the, the the spreads have moved, especially Ireland, New Zealand, which seems to be flipping all the time. Uh, currently at two, but we'll talk about that in a second. But Wales, Argentina, um, guys, I, 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 Tim, I'll come to you. I would say, based on, I think statistically, based on teams beating teams that are above them in the world rankings, kind of thing. I think Wales have done two, which is which would essentially make them the surprise package, technically. Of the quarterfinals, technically, certainly from, good. yeah, oh, sorry, they they, they are really good. Certainly from where they were a year ago when they lost to Georgia, the, the development and four from four. And Warren Gatland's mantra has always been: be the best at the, the things that require no skill. So he has them really fit, really well organized, and that gets you a long way in international rugby when you have talented players. That that I think that that simplistic game plan that they play, where actually they don't want the ball and they want to just put defensive pressure on teams, there's limitations to to what can be achieved with that. But with the teams that they've played and are playing, I think that's effective enough. And I, I, I think that they have real quality in key positions. Obviously, they've lost Taolupe Falatel, but then Argentina have lost um, Pablo Matera. But Dan Bigger versus Santi Carreras, I think, is the, the matchup that I think will be most influential. And I think it will pull Wales through. It, I... I think Gavin was right earlier. It has the it has the potential to really bust wide open that game. It could equally be really tight and tense. Uh, either way, I see Wales just sneaking it. Yeah, oh, Gav, yeah. I'll come to you then. Now, did 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 the did the Argentina bubble slightly burst uh, early doors in the England game? Absolutely, they haven't lived up to my limited expectations for them, and I don't think they're really that good a team. I I would have actually said before the tournament that. Based on form, Wales and England might have been the weaker of the teams that might make a semi-final on that side of the draw. But I now think Argentina are the weakest of those teams, including Fiji. And I actually think Wales might do a job on them this weekend. I think it could be a fun game for an hour, but I actually think Wales are strong enough to pull away and, and win by double digits in the end. Wow. I would say this Wales team doesn't look any bit diluted or any real any bit weaker really than the Wales team that got to the semi-final four years ago like they, they might not have the personnel that previous Wales teams did under Gatlin but they're kind of playing in a similar way and they're difficult to beat in a similar way I would say if Wales make a semi-final given the absolute rabble that the sport is in infrastructurally in their country this would be Gatlin's greatest achievement by the way what a rebirth it would be for him or a, a relaunch in a way of his career because I, I have to say I thought maybe he had reached the point that most coaches do reach in their careers in any sport where the game has left you behind a little bit that Lions tour was a disaster for me that Lions team was was definitely good enough to beat South Africa and I thought he did a poor job for the first time in his career in how he managed that entire tour I mean he didn't bring Johnny Sexton for example and that's not um Irish sort of animosity towards him. It's just, I think it was a wrong decision ultimately. But if you bring this Wales team to a semi-final, I think it really rubber stamps your legacy as a as a really world-class coach. And I think he will do it. I, I, I have to say, I thought Argentina against Japan, as much as it was a really entertaining game. And they oh, that was great. Amazing. But I, I think that Japan's defence is 
is really bad. It is really bad. And and the scoreline probably flattered Argentina. Now, you can make the argument that maybe that transpires to be the touch paper that kind of really lights their tournament and, uh, and Argentina get confidence from that. But I actually think they're going to run into a pretty stout Welsh defence and a lot of that confidence could erode quite quickly this weekend, this Saturday. And it might be a little bit more akin to that England game. I'm not saying it'll go as badly for them. I don't think it could. Um, but I think there's just fundamentally in attack, I think they might struggle against this Welsh, Welsh defence. Uh, so, Tim, just do you think Wales will win by more than four? Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd take that. I I don't think it will. It could. Well, I suppose it could be a blowout. I don't I don't see it being quite as much as that. Partly because Argentina's bizarre preparations for the World Cup. They only had one warm up game against Spain, and I thought that was weird. But so I'm I'm assuming that was by design. And maybe Michael Checker thought with the pool they had, he backs them to get out and build slowly. So maybe it's part of some big master plan. And that's the only reason I'm kind of going okay. That Michael Checker's smart enough, much like Gatlin, to to have thought this through. So. I see them being competitive, but I see Wales winning. Uh, I'd go by more than four, yeah. Okay. Uh, the the first of the two kind of blockbuster games in the quarterfinals takes place on Saturday at 8 o'clock. It's Ireland taking on New Zealand, 8 to 11, about Ireland. Uh, New Zealand are 13 to 10. It's two points now, the spread. Started out as one, went to two, went to one yesterday, and is now two. On a side note, Tim, do you know, as someone who's been over, I'm not a big fan of nine o'clock kickoffs. Just going to say that, like when you're there, it, it's a long day of really taking care of yourself with the libations for my liking. You know, you, you have to make sure you've had enough. You don't want to be, you know, I, I, it's a side note, but could they not have made it like eight o'clock? Yeah, I, I understand it's, it's for, uh, you know, the bigger TV nations and that, but oh, I agree. I, I agree. Just, it's I, very I'm late. I'm in Marseille for, for this weekend's quarterfinals. I'd love to be in two places at once, but actually I'm not, uh, whilst I would love to be in the stadium at those games, I'm not unhappy that I get to watch the earlier live match and then be in a bar for yeah. the late game. I agree, particularly where the stadiums are out of oh. town, as they are in, in most cases. It makes getting back... Half 12 yeah. before you're back in Paris. We were like, yeah. we, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a long old trek and you're yeah. ready then to have a few drinks and celebrate and you're like... Twelve, like exactly. I mean, uh, but well, anyway, I'll, yeah. No, I'll, I'll put I it this note. way: when when um, um when I'm at the semi-finals next weekend, I'm not even booking a hotel for the Saturday night because I've got a flight on the Sunday. I'm just going to go straight from the stadium to the airport because for exactly the reason you said, I don't want to spend all that money and or, and risk getting bed bugs for about two hours, Kip. <laughs> yeah, half of Ireland's coming home with bed bugs these days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tim, I'm going to go to you for, for the more balance. Uh, not that Gavin myself will be on would be on balance, but but slightly possibly in terms of the fever that's reaching it at the moment. But as I said, it, 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 Ireland are odds on, they're 8 to 11. The spread is two points. Like, I mean, it's just, to think back, if you told me five years ago that Ireland would be playing a, a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal again, the All Blacks and they would be the favourites and odds on to win the match I would have laughed it, it is remarkable isn't it and I think the biggest thing is any team that faces Ireland right now they know what's coming they know what they're getting but they still can't stop it and that's why I, I do think it's broadly speaking in Ireland's control and I think actually the words of Ian Foster a couple of weeks ago when he said after the South Africa Ireland game and then New Zealand had that 96-0 win or whatever it was against was it was that Italy? I can't remember. Italy, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But Ian Foster said, that's what people want, running rugby. And I thought, <laughs> if you meet Ireland in a quarterfinal, that's not going to go well. I, th I think they need to try something different. They need to flip the script a bit, exactly as they did against South Africa at the start of the rugby championship. Kick a little bit more, kick with variety and try and move this 
Irish defence into shapes they're not not they're not used to being in. And if they do that, I think they do have world beaters. That their backline is absolutely box office. But it's can they engineer opportunities to unpick Ireland's defence, which has been for all the talk about the attack has been magnificent. Uh, I think they're rightly favourites. Gav. I was on New Zealand radio last night and it was amazing the extent to which both I and the New Zealand radio host were trying to convince the other that their team could still win. And it's a very strange dynamic to have with the, an All Blacks fan where you're almost trying to give them reasons why they can be optimistic this weekend. A little quick snippet of a chat I had with the producer even before going on air if anyone hasn't been on radio before, usually you just have like a 20 second chat with the producer. They check your sound, then they pass you through for the show. And the producer just asks, like, how are you doing? I said, I'm flying. Thanks. You? He's like, um, mate, we're trembling over here. Like they were really, <laughs> and I, I couldn't get over it. And, and I do think it's a like the odds are probably reflective of how I feel about the game, but the odds are really close as well. Like I think it's exactly. an unbelievably close game, uh, even on paper. The, the idea that, Firstly, the idea that Ireland went down to New Zealand last summer and sort of schooled them in some way in that series is revisionist. That series was pretty close. New Zealand tanked us in the first game. Again, it was a game where they pounced on Irish errors and Ireland were actually unlucky in that game. I, I wouldn't really say that often about a defeat. I just thought objectively they were pretty unfortunate. And in the second two games, Ireland did outplay New Zealand, but they were tight games. Like, Tyke Byrne had to put up one of the great defensive stands in the last five minutes of the third test in order for Ireland to get over the line. And Rob Herring sealed the deal then with a, a try that took it out to two scores. But like, even allowing for the fact that Ireland won that series in New Zealand, the number of personnel changes to that New Zealand team now, props, back row, you've got Chandler Frizzell in there. Uh, you've got a different 10-15 combo, different midfield. Like It's remarkable. Plus the fact that they've added different coaches that are set up as well, including Joe Schmidt, who's obviously a factor in this game. And, and I don't think he's just a factor because he will know Ireland's players. I think that can be maybe a little bit inflated or overstated. I think he's a factor because he's one of the best strike play engineers in the game. And I think New Zealand are going to kick the leather of the ball off the ball against Ireland, not only to play territory and pin Ireland back and look to set up those lineouts where the likes of, uh, of Schmidt can sort of uh, come into their own. But equally, like, I would be going to the air against Starlin. Target James Lowe, target Matt Hansen a little bit, not necessarily to go up and win clean ball, but to create loose, broken situations, bobbling balls that they can seize upon. They click into transition, and suddenly you have Mark Talea, Will Jordan, Bowden Barrett, Rico Ioanni running at Ireland. And I actually think when, you, when New Zealand are in that vein of form, it may be impossible to stop them. So I think that's what they'll try to do. The thing is with Ireland, and Tim alluded to their defence there, which I think is a little bit underrated. Maybe it's starting to become more appreciated now. I don't know if they have a glaring weakness at all. And, I, mm -hmm. and I, aside from going to the air, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure where you would start with targeting Ireland, aside from really just ripping into them, right? And you try and take Johnny Sexton out of the game if you can, legally, obviously. But one of the concerns New Zealand have is that their defence is a little bit passive for their liking. And actually, statistically, if you look at it, I think they've made 78% of tackles. That's down around eight or ninth uh, in terms of uh, tackle stats, which doesn't bode well for them against a very good Irish They switch defense. off. That, that's what, what, what people say about them in, at home in New Zealand. They say they switch off. Yeah, and, and also I th they have question marks about their line speed and just general intensity of their defence. But 
you know, they've only played France in a real game. Um, a month Italy ago as well. Really... Yeah. Say again? A month ago as well. Yeah, totally. No, and, and like that, there's, yeah, it, so there is a bit of a double-edged sword in that, I guess. My point would be they, maybe the stats are a little bit misleading. Like, tackle stats against Italy in a game that was dead after 20 minutes, tackle stats against even Uruguay first half. It's difficult to get up for a game against Uruguay when you know you're going to win it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you could argue, actually, for the first hour of the France game, they defended relatively well and France just pulled away. But I just mean, like, there are elements of their defence statistically that Ireland will look at and, and seek to exploit. And I think they have cause to be concerned about that area of their game, for sure. It's an interesting one. Tim, I'll go back to you on just that France-New Zealand game, because Gav mentioned they play well for an hour. But when France scored to pull away to make like two scores, that was very un-all-black response. The last 20 minutes felt like a paint-by-numbers from the all-blacks. They looked like a team that didn't have a lot of ideas of like, holy crap, you know, we're 10 plus points down. How do we get back? Normally you'd be like, well, New Zealand will just fancy rugby. They'll swish around and they'll score a try. And this will be a close game. Never really happened, did it? And leadership in the side is one question mark that's been put on it. Um, whereas when you look at the, the opponents, the Irish side, take your pick. Um, I think that, that Sam Kane has a massive question mark over his head. It's really unfair that the, the previous captains before him, Kieran Reid, uh, Richie McCourt, some of the greatest rugby players ever to pull on that jersey. Nonetheless, I think it's a little bit like the situation with Owen Farrell in England. Maybe he merits his position in the team, but would it be better for the team if he wasn't captain so that the decision was made purely for um, only the right reasons rather than because the the, the coaches back themselves into a corner where the, the guy's his skipper? He doesn't... Yeah, you, you question the leadership um, of that New Zealand team on the field. And that was one of the impressive things... Um, watching Ireland and when you watch the, the, the you know the best teams at the tournament they're able to figure things out on the field at the time when things aren't going well and that's the, the question mark over New Zealand if things don't start going their way in Paris can they work it out out on the field I think part of the, the way that France got New Zealand in a stranglehold in those last 20 as well Kieran was the fact that they did beat them up up front it took a while and it wasn't an instant annihilation of the New Zealand pack but just through an hour's worth of abrasion and blunt force, they did kind of beat the fight out of them to a degree. I don't know if Ireland are quite capable of doing that much of a job on New Zealand. I do think Ireland's pack is world-class, but what I would say is like we tend to look at the physicality battle up front as this black and white thing where one team wins it and one team loses it, and it's more a number of battles within an overall war. And I would say like if Ireland can win most of those battles... They could get New Zealand in a stranglehold as well. But I would flip that and also say this is a World Cup quarterfinal and New Zealand are born to play in games like these. The France game was a pool opener. They knew they could lose it and still go through. This is going to be different. I think it's going to be a different All Blacks team, a really ferocious All Blacks team. And I'm I'm scared. I don't want to use the word. Okay. I'm very scared. Well, 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 let's I'll give you a second then, because we've already said Wales minus four. Let's, you know, put a hat on this, tie a bow on it for for now anyway. Um who wins, Tim? Now, it's a two-point spread, but I think it'll probably go down to one. And I think that it could even be picking by the time, because I think people will row in towards the All Blacks as the game comes closer. I could be wrong. Let's see about Saturday night. So I'll ju just, just say who's going to win it, really. Ireland will win it. They've they've got the Nelson experience. It's amazing how many of the same players were involved four years ago in, in Tokyo when it was an absolute beatdown for, for New Zealand on that day. 
uh, but the the development the the hours that have been put in all of the work i think it's it's all about this 80 minutes it's amazing isn't it four years of work comes down to an hour and a half out on a out on a pitch and i think that, like i mentioned before the, the mentality of the two teams i just see that making the difference in the end and i think ireland will just come through could be worse, Tim. There's some sports at the Olympics you train for four years and you only get about 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gav, listen, you know, people are going to be listening in Ireland to see what your opinion is. Uh, what is it? Who's going to win? I think Ireland will win. I think ultimately the confidence that they've accrued in winning 17 games in a row and taking off a lot of the check marks along the way, including a series win in New Zealand, as I've outlined against a kind of a different looking New Zealand team, but it was still a milestone and a kind of a benchmark that they they achieved they ticked it off same with the grand slam beating france in the six nations as well i just think you contrast that with this new zealand team i would imagine any confidence they do have will be fragile i think the defeat to south africa in the warm-ups even the france game in the pool as much as i say it didn't matter ultimately in terms of getting out of the pool they still tried and failed against a physically larger and better team so i just think for that reason alone if ireland can build an early lead I back them to get the job done. I'll just add. I'll just add to that as well. If if this game was in Auckland, you'd probably make New Zealand narrow favourites. But it may as well be in Dublin with that crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, there is quite a few few there. And Stade de France, like it, there's something like in a game of intangibles and and like where like everything needs to go right. It's quite funny that Ireland have had two games back to back in Stade de France and had had a huge win against South Africa. Follow that up with like this wonderful party type atmosphere where Johnny's off after forty five minutes because Scotland have just thrown the towel in essentially, and it's a it's a sing song for the last fifteen players are going around the pitch two weeks in a row with their kids. So it be like the, Ireland won't leave the Stade de France if they stay in the tournament, and that. As that goes on, that has to add a little bit to it as well. Like they come out and they see so many people there that are just traveling over every weekend. It's wonderful for us. Um, we have not mentioned England and I will get people giving out to me because we're like over 30 minutes into the pod and we haven't even said the words to him, England, uh, barely well. They take on Fiji on Sunday, uh, one to three about England, 20 to one about the draw. I didn't mention the draw in the other game, sorry, uh, 13 to five about Fiji and England are now seven points uh, that they've they've actually been supported during the week. So, um, Tim, g- give us give us England. Where are they? How are they going? Have they have they been better than you thought they would be or worse or just about where you thought they were, really? It's interesting when you contrast England with Wales because they're similar, similar trajectories coming into the tournament, new coach not really playing very well, not fancies, both four from four. But there's sort of a it's like optimism when you look at Wales and still a, a negativity when you when you look at England. If if when we spoke last, if, if you'd have said you're going to be in a quarterfinal having won all of your pool games, I would have bitten your hand off and I'd be delighted. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I have to return to and just remember that. Um because that's a lot better than I imagined England would be. And to be favourites at a World Cup quarterfinal uh, but nevertheless, coming away from the Samoa game, the overwhelming reaction from England fans, from all of the press, has been incredibly negative. It's it's almost much like with the resilience that that Ireland we were just talking about have built up over a long time. There's been so many bad performances, uh, again and again and again, that you it's really hard to shake that negativity. But I will say that the that the atmosphere in the stadium for that opening game against Argentina in Marseille was second to South Africa, Ireland, that the best atmosphere I've ever experienced all of the players referenced it and there was a there was a there was an energy in the players which has been lacking 
in other games when they've just had a lethargy, hesitancy, clunky performance. I'm hoping just the actual occasion will draw something out of them that's a little bit inspiring. And I, and I think they need something like that to actually spark the team because I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but mentally it's just not together. It's it's really bizarre to try and work out, but they have great players who can pull out a performance, but that's where England are at. I think you're talking about intangibles, uh, inspiration, fans and things rather than the body of work they've done out on the field, but they're capable. And I, and I think they will get through to a semi-final. Gav? Yeah, I think I picked Fiji as potential semi-finalists when we spoke first, but it was just before Caleb Montz went down injured. And I think his absence at out half has actually really uh, been felt. Like uh, I've seen it as being quite impactful, particularly in those last couple of games where you can clearly see Fiji haven't handled well the idea of being a proper semi-final contender, right? Like in fairness, it's uncharted territory for that group of players to have beaten New Zealand. They really should have beaten a a good Wales team now, we think. And uh, they really flattered to deceive subsequently against Georgia and lost to Portugal in what really was an embarrassing defeat for them. And it feels as almost, almost as though their form is on an opposite trajectory to England's at the moment, or at least their form in terms of results, right? What's curious to me about this game is that I think maybe three weeks ago, if we had said to each other, England, we're going to meet Fiji in a quarterfinal, we would have made the case that Fiji might even be favourites to shade that game. This time around, I would agree with the odds that England are favourites, but that could be then where Fiji are a little bit more dangerous again, where they can summon that incredibly guttural, almost spiritual type of performance that this team is capable of. Like maybe they're coming in almost back under the radar to a degree, uh, whereas England have probably been a team coming in under the radar as far as now, but are are now favourites. Again, it's kind of an intangible thing. I might be talking out my arse in all honesty, but I just feel like Fiji coming in in this situation, it might suit them better than had they blown through the pool or even beaten Portugal and come into this game in good form. And ultimately, I do think England would win. And and I think part of it, again, is that absence of months. I just don't think Fiji are quite the team they would have been had he been able to play it out half. I think he would have been been one of the stars of the tournament. And I think England's fundamentals, they're going to put the squeeze on them and set piece team, right? Like, well, I was going to ask, can I can I ask you this question? Because I struggle with, with Fiji. You go, what what's, what do Fiji, Fiji hang their hat on? Huge physicality, offloads in contact, attacking the breakdown. When when people say, what do does this England team do well? I, I, there's nothing I can actually answer. There's no clear identity. You sort of think it's a strong set piece and a line out, but then the line out on Maul just was completely nullified against Samoa. And then in other games, yeah, we've had you know a good performance in that first game against Argentina and the... George Ford back in the pocket. But other than high tackles and drop goals, there's nothing I can sort of say that's what England actually um, managed to do on a regular basis. What would you? What's your perception? It's similar, to be fair. I probably don't have the answers you're looking for, but I guess I, w- I could see a game in which... I, I would say England's defence has become pretty decent. And like Kevin Sinfield was under a lot of pressure coming into the tournament, but ultimately that defensive stand... It became more of an offensive stand against Argentina, but the way they defended initially with 14 was kind of remarkable. And I know Samoa made serious inroads against them, but in general, I think England's defense has been good. And I, I almost think you 
play a proper game of knockout rugby here where you just chip away at the Fijians, three points, six points, nine points, that sort of a game. I think in terms of meters gained, England are something like ninth in the tournament. Like they, in terms of their uh, yardage as an attack, it's not great. And against Fiji, actually, that's going to be a struggle. But I do, I do think they can play a kind of a control game. I mean, jokes aside, it could be a game for a couple of drop goals again, right? Like, I'd, I'd love to know what you think about selection. I'm not sure when the pod is actually coming out, but like, where do you go without half, with 12? Uh, I'm, I'm a massive Owen Farrell fan. I'm a massive George Ford fan. I'm a massive Marcus Smith fan. I actually don't mind what the selection is. I, I, I do agree two playmakers generally is, is it seems to be a way to go in international rugby. I know Ireland spread their workload across the back line differently, but such cohesion that the Leinster thing is part of that. But um, I, th- I think the optimum place for those positions is probably 10 and 15 when you look around world rugby or in France's case, it's a bit of nine and 10. But um, so, so I, I love Owen Farrell. I would probably start him 10 and and that a lot of people would would think he should be dropped out of the squad completely. I, I, I just don't know. I actually think it's it's irrelevant talking about personnel when the top two inches don't seem to be in the right place because it, 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 you change one player for another and it's the same outcome with England. And it has been a merry-go-round in selection and nothing really ch- seems to change as a consequence of selection. So I think it's much more fundamental than that. I personally, I don't think that actually the players completely believe in the, in the game that they're going out on the field and playing and, and that lack of confidence in what they're doing would explain the hesitancy with which they play. Um, I don't know how you solve that, but short of a mutiny like um, France in 2011, was it? Or um, I, I don't, I don't quite know how you, how you get it, but, I'm hoping that England can channel the the inspiration from 07 when they were in exactly the same position in France, played a quarterfinal in Marseille, having got hammered in the opening game against South Africa, written off, and then just pulled out a very English-type performance against Australia. And But that was predicated on a really strong set piece. I'm not sure England actually have that right now. Um, can you, I'm a little bit bereft here, Gavin. <laughs> well, it's, you know what? It's, it is going to take that kind of a, a spirit of 07 type of form. Like, it's going to need English belligerence, right? It's going to need, like, them to go to another level in terms of their own physicality, physical output. Like, you're you're going to, you're very rarely going to win most of the collisions against Fiji because of the nature of the athletes that they have. But you can definitely force them into errors. And even if you hold your own in the scrum, and almost, it's not suffocating them in terms of possession necessarily, but suffocating them in terms of what they're able to do on the actual scoreboard like playing territory playing basic enough rugby yeah and trying to limit them and just chip away try to build score scoreboard pressure yourself if you can get them in a situation where they're chasing the game they are unfortunately prone to errors at the moment i think a lot of that again i know i'm like a broken record here stems from the the absence of months he stitches everything together so nicely everybody else has to overcompensate without him so it's i guess it's just like hold your own physically, build a lead. Mm. I, I do think they're good enough to do it. I do think they yeah. are. Okay. I, I think we're like, we're really boring. Let's let's embrace that. But we're everyone else is supporting Fiji except for England fans. Let's be the pantomime villain. Just well, it depends. Really it depends. Dull and it depends if it. you back them, you know, because I do, I do think that, uh, I do think a lot of people will throw Wales, Ireland, England, and France or South Africa. We'll talk about that now. I, I think there'll be a lot of ACAs because basically if you, if the Northern Hemisphere lockout Acker, that's a well, good like one. If, if you pick, if you want to do that, it's about eleven to two right now. So like you know, five and a half to one. I mean, that's if you replace 
the All Blacks for Ireland, it brings it up even more. If you replace South Africa for France, it brings it up even more. If you throw Fiji into it instead of England, it brings it up even more. So there's, there's all sorts of permutations. But basically, if you're looking to kind of draw opinion on all four games and you get it right, you're going to be Sunday night, you're going to be celebrating. Uh, but will France or South Africa be celebrating chance? 8 to 11 about France. South Africa are 6 to 5. This is a one point handicap at the moment. So it, it's basically very, 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 very close. Gav, to you first. Um, France or South Africa? I think I think we know based on who you said it will win the tournament. Um, but I mean, this is going to be their, their, their big challenge because arguably they will face a weaker team statistically in the semis. Yeah. I do think France would win the game. I think it is a shame that one of those one of these two teams won't be in the semifinals. It feels like even as characters, for want of a better term, in this story, both teams had a bigger role to play than will ultimately be the case uh, after uh, Sunday night. Uh, and honestly, I could try to I I could try to give you a kind of a technical assessment of why I think France will win, but I would be BSing you. Like I, this is a hunch. Based on the fact that they're at home, based on the fact that there may be a, a slightly bigger sense of destiny about them in this home tournament, and based on the fact that I do think they're as good or or maybe marginally better team than South Africa, but like it's really hard to separate them. I have a feeling, actually, and I'd love to get Tim's uh, take on this as well. I have a feeling this game is going to see an awful lot of ball kicked, like a lot of kick tennis. You've got Vlock Silliers, a South African who's uh, France's kicking coach has been really influential we know South Africa will, will boot the ball anyway and it might not be the spectacle that we are hoping for <laughs> ultimately but then because of the size of the packs because of the intensity with which both teams play they are going to meet in the middle plenty and it's going to be at least suspenseful it might come down to something as simple as who, win, who wins that kicking battle I would make the case that maybe France have slightly better kickers on their team when you include uh, Thomas Ramos, Jalibert, Dupont. Um, and yeah, I'm finding it hard to separate them. I'm going with France on a hunch. I can't really give you more than that for the moment. Tim might have no, a better answer. We go to you, Tim, but you're you're in France. What is the current like on the ground sitch with Dupont? Because like how he, he can't play if he's got an injured cheek. I mean, he's, he's you're going to get hit in the face. Oh, and, and but South Africa's game plan is, well, it would have been that anyway, but even, <laughs> even more so. Uh, but he's, so I, I have the radio on. I was driving between Lyon and Marseille the other day and I said the radio on and every half hour, Dupont, 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 Dupont on the news, whether you're listening to music radio, you know, speech radio, it doesn't matter. He is the big story in France right now. And uh, the question is, what, what do you do with him? Like, like I think... So I, I think psychologically, the deflation of having to remove him from the field would be massive. So I would personally start him. And imagine 45 minutes, DuPont stands up on the sideline, takes off his vest, the energy in the stadium, and he comes on. That, that's the way I would. I think I may go. But I think then if France lose and you haven't started DuPont and he was fit to go on the bench and he doesn't start, I mean, it's, it's a conundrum, isn't it? But just to add to the players that, that Gav mentioned, and by the way, I don't have a better answer, Gav, than you. I'm glad you went first, to be honest. Um, Gav mentioned the kickers, uh, you know, Dupont, Jalabert, Ramos. But just then, when you say other names, from an attacking sense, Aldrit, Penno, Fiku, Dante, it's, uh, they've got, I'll tell you what, they've got some unreal talent. There is um, the confidence of both French fans and South African fans that I've spoken to is palpable, actually. 
there's there's an assumption that they're both on both sides that their team is going through and for you know gav's right it's it's almost cruel that that both teams can't because they are exceptional rugby teams this is the hardest co- game to call and it's interesting that the the market's back that up it's toss for coin 50 50 i haven't got a clue which way it's going to go for some reason the hunch which was france pre-tournament has shifted to south africa i don't know why i, I it, feeling in my water i don't know could, could just be andre pollard's presence and goal kick goal, goal kicks in what i think gav's right will be a kicking oriented game i don't know what do you, do you think it's a type of game as I said, we're recording Wednesday morning. The teams we had seen it, it, we are recording just before the teams come out, kind of thing. But I mean, for for the most part, the the only really big question mark of and obviously Ireland have question marks over Mac Hansen, James Ryan. But but the real question mark is Dupont. Like, so if he starts, like I would say that it, it, the market will change. Like, if he starts, I would say that France maybe you move to two. Even there could be if he doesn't, maybe it actually goes pick him. Like, it's going to be one of those ones that you're going to have to watch the market. I'll be absolutely stunned if Dupont doesn't start after all the work oh. that he will have put in to get back and for all of the corners they've undoubtedly cut in bringing him back as well. I know he's gotten a green light from a surgeon. I'm not questioning that person's medical advice, but I am saying, you know, this has been an expedited process to get him back. And I don't think they'll have done that just to bring him on for half an hour, even though yeah. I completely agree with Tim's point. It would be a massive boost to be able to bring him on, particularly in a tight game in the second half. But I think he is that important to them, yeah, uh, and that's sacred to them that they brought him back to to really start the game. Mm-hmm. And like, it's interesting. South Africa aren't naming their team until Thursday, which uh, is Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. Sorry, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is yeah, like we we normally have had it a couple of days already. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're normally the of. earliest, and now they're the latest. Fair play to them. This is what you do. Mind game started early, lads. And in fairness, as much as you could. Um, yeah, as much as you could consider it to be mind games, Razi for once was pretty open about his reasoning behind it, where he was just like, well, we just kind of want to see what France are going to do. And then <laughs> we'll make our final decisions, uh, which is quite transparent. And, and I guess uh, humble, which is probably rare for him, but um, I, what, you know, but that probably shows as well that like, as much as both camps are equally confident of victory, they know what kind of a game this is going to be. This is, this is a one score game, unless something kind of drastic happens, obviously, it almost it annoys me at this point. Anytime you're having a conversation about a game of this nature in rugby, you almost have to throw in the caveat. Of course, a red card could change everything because it could, it could, and that's the reality of it. But if you have 15 men on the field for both teams, like it's so hard to separate these teams. Well, and as much as to, from an Irish to, perspective, sorry, Tim, go on. No, I was going to say to back to back up your point. I, I looked at the last three meetings, and France won the last one in Marseille, which was one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, and then South Africa won the two before that. But across those three games, the point total points difference across those three matches is eight. <laughs> there you go. You and as it. much as from an Irish perspective, we're unbelievably excited and concerned and nervous and everything else for this All Blacks game. And that is a, a marquee fixture. The game of the weekend, unquestionably, is France against South Africa. That This is one of the greatest World Cup fixtures, I think, in recent memory. These are two of the best teams we've seen in modern times. It's the reigning world champions against the favourites to me and the hosts. And just even the aesthetics of it, the power involved in these two teams, the the potential for flair on both sides. They have everything. And as spectators, we're going to be treated to, um, even if it is a, a game of kick tennis, ultimately there are going to be moments where we're blown away by what these teams can produce. And I can't wait for it. 
Do you do you, to to tie it up on this? Do you think if Dupont starts at home, they say in other sports, you know, playing at home can you know give you two or three points. So it would just shift the line slightly to France, even though Tim, I think you're slightly going towards South Africa. But in terms of who would start as favourite, shall we say? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. I'll do a little roundup there. So we do fancy Wales uh, to beat Argentina uh, and should cover the spread of four points. Ireland to get the job done against New Zealand. We're not we're sticking away from spread. England against Fiji. Fancy England to get the job done. Seven points. I mean, I don't think any of us will put someone off backing Fiji plus seven, to be honest. Uh, it could be a very close game and it could come down to just a kick of a ball kind of thing. And France, South Africa, we are we're, we're basically split. So we're, we're not going to offer anyone any help on that one. But that does mean, of course, you could do a double on a Saturday. You could do a travel, bet your own way, or just decide yourself who you fancy France, South Africa. And to wrap it up completely, lads, Gav, France to win. Tim, have you changed your mind in the last 35 minutes? I almost don't want to say it to you to, to jinx it. I know there's the, the Guinness advert at the minute, which is um, think it, don't... Um... Think don't, it, don't say it. it. Yeah, don't don't like say that. it. Or, or something like that. But uh, but I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Ireland. What? Oh. We're, we, we sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we're not allowed to say it. You only whisper it to but, one and another. And then and then I want Andy Farrell back and Mike Cat back. Thank and, and Graham Round. Well, Graham Roundtree can come back as well. We, we had this coaching team in 2015. I can't believe we threw it away. Yeah, it is. It's insane to think of it, isn't it? I'm actually sitting down with uh, Graham Rentree tomorrow for an interview. I'm looking forward to kind of picking his brains about the weekend. But, I, I, you know, as a Munster fan, I've grown up a Munster fan. And he's committed his future to Munster for the next few years at least. And yeah. I'm delighted with that. And, like, when you consider just all of the, all of that coaching ticket, what they've gone on to do individually and how highly valued they are in the game now, you have to wonder. What Lancaster, Cat, Rountree, Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Mental. Gentlemen, um, we, we, we will leave it there. We've, uh, we'll leave it there. Um I just want to remind everyone to please do gamble responsibly if you are enjoying uh, the World Cup at the weekend. There's lots of live sport as well taking place. Start of the jump season in racing, uh, international football, no Premier League this weekend. So no football, only better podcast. Uh, but if you are enjoying any of it, please do it responsibly. Lots of safer gambling tools on the website, deposit limits, etc. So do keep an eye out uh, for that and have a look and read through all of that. Uh, my thanks uh, to uh, Tim Cocker and to Gavin Casey uh, for joining me today. Um, and this may not be, I haven't even said this to the lads, but as we were talking, I, I would say if, if England or Ireland were to reach a final, we might sit down one more time. Uh, for, and uh, So fingers crossed, one of them does. Uh, and you can guess which one I'm, I have in my head as I hope to be the one to do that. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, the rugby over the weekend. Uh, it should be an absolutely cracking weekend uh, for all of us rugby fans. Again, thanks to the two gentlemen for joining me. And thank you for listening. Please do gamble responsibly. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. <laughs>